This is the Danny Britt Show, a weekly look at Benedictine Cadets football on WSEG Savannah Hilton Head. Now, here's your host, Christian Gokel. Welcome into the Danny Britt Show right here on Sports Radio Savannah 104.3 and 1400. Christian Gokel, glad to have you alongside as we are continuing to talk Benedictine Cadets football. And that means one thing. Your cadets won their opening round of the GHSA playoffs as they took down Whitewater in a game that was hotly contested, more so than we see through a lot of 1v4 matchups uh, early here in the playoff brackets. And joining us to break it down, the head football coach of your cadets, Danny Britton. Coach, we were talking about this before we hopped on the show here. That wasn't your typical four seed we saw out of Whitewater, and they proved it uh, there on Friday night. Yeah, no, not at all. They they were a very good uh, four sheet coming in, uh, and, and I'll just be completely honest with you. I was like, okay, we've got a. They're saying this four seed's pretty good. I was sitting down uh, talking to Stephanie, and and you know about we actually had a wedding this weekend, and I was like, oh, I'm sure it will be fine. And I pulled up the film, and I was like, oh well, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a lot harder than the normal one versus four seed. So. Uh, very good football team that came in here, and obviously they proved it Friday night. Yeah, and a lot of wing tee principles and flex bone principles, and not something you guys are completely unfamiliar with. You saw it uh, against Maris last year in the playoffs, but still just such a difficult offense to prepare for. And I thought, Coach, uh, they did a good job not only executing there in the first half, but kind of like sucking the energy out of the stadium and your, you guys' team. Yeah, definitely. They did a good job with their game plan. They came in and and uh, took the ball and, and just held it and uh, did a great job with that and kept moving, knocking out first downs and pretty much kept the ball the entire first quarter. Uh, you know, so it didn't give us a chance to, to get our, you know, skill guys going and get our offense going, and, and, and they did a very good job with it. We understand. We see the wing tee, obviously, against ourselves. Uh, but, um, you know, what they were doing and how they do it, you know, kind of making you play in a phone booth is, is very different. And a little bit different wrinkle they had too, Coach, with the muddle huddle getting up to the line uh, and snapping it quickly a lot of the times. What types of challenges does that present to a defense? Yeah, we were prepared for it. We'd seen it in, in their previous uh, game. Uh, but what it does is makes you balance up, uh, makes you – you can't swap sides. And typically we like to do that with our linebackers and get our best – you know, Bryce Baker's obviously more athletic and get him more of the field or, you know, to the to the numbers in the passing game, that sort of thing, and get third uh, more of the tight end. And it just it doesn't allow you to do that. You had to balance up and play. And, um, of course, we could still call a strength and stunt to it, but uh, it just it just makes you balance up and, and, and play straight-up football. And that's not the first time this year we've seen a team go with that same approach. I think uh, Wayne County kind of the same way where it was just – no matter what they did, they were going to hold the ball, work, try to work a lot of clock, and try to keep your offense off the field. How, as an offense, especially with a bunch of young guys over there wanting to make plays, do you stay patient uh, and kind of bide your time? Because I know it had to be devastating to have them go on that big, long drive, even though they don't come away with points, and then have the offense go three and out. I know mentally that's got to be tough on the offense. It's very tough, and and you know, there's nothing you can really do other than just you know, learn from it and grow from it and just try to be patient. That's what we just kept talking about is, you know, it was, I, I was anticipating that a little bit, that the way, you know, of course not us going three and out, but, uh, 
but uh, anticipated them, you know, trying to, you know, grind out the clock and, and run the ball. And, and um, you know, so we just had to continue to be patient and believe in ourselves that eventually we, it was going to break. And again, the three and out on the first drive, but later in the first half, Coach, uh, you're able to get a drive going. It started with Luke Cromenhawk breaking off a long run, just kind of using his scrambling abilities there. Just how, how big of a deal is it to have that quarterback when nothing else is working on offense? He can kind of put the team on his back uh, and just use his legs to pick up big chunks. Yeah, it's huge, very huge, and, and, and Luke knows that, and we've talked about that. And, uh, you know, when, when all else fails, yeah, Luke can really roll, and he, he's good at it, very athletic, a lot quicker than I think that people anticipate. Uh, so, yeah, that was huge, and, and it did ignite us there. And how big was that touchdown there at the end? Obviously, any points uh, in a game are going to be big, but just mentally to go into halftime at 10-10 to 10, when it felt like momentum-wise they had it all in the first half – to go in even, I, I thought everybody kind of exhaled in the stadium. It was like, okay, it's just it's a fresh game in the third quarter. Definitely, you could tell it was it was palpable in the stadium that they they had, you know, like you said, kind of sucked the life out of the stadium and just kind of methodically controlled the game. And then right there at the end, we were able to to score. We were able to get the field goal earlier by Asher, and then. Luke score right there at the end with one minute left, and it felt like we had momentum at that point, uh, even though it was just the last minute of the, the, the half that we had momentum at half. And then coming out in the third quarter, Coach, again, kind of struggled to get the offense going there, uh, but we talked about this in the post game. Cody Brinson with maybe the biggest play of the year, uh, intercepting a post route there to give you guys the ball back and momentum in that one. After that, there was just no looking back for you guys. Yeah, it did feel like everything shifted at that point because we came out. We talked about, of course, take it, you know, take it down and score, and we, we truly will have momentum rolling, you know, the rest of the game, and, and we didn't do that. Uh, but Cody made a huge play, very good play, uh, uh, right there, and, and it did. It, it shifted from that point. Now, once you guys got the ball back, take the lead there uh, in the third quarter. It felt like there's a little bit of a shift in the offense, just kind of away from the run game. Uh, and it felt like Whitewater was scheming the entire game to slow down the run game. And we know, well, Kevin and I always talk about it. It's like when teams try to run East and West against you guys, you're so used to practicing against that, that it's difficult to do against you. Well, that's kind of the same thing with Whitewater. So with the run game gone, felt like really handed control of the offense over uh to Luke Cromanhawk there and just let him show off his abilities, obviously with big plays from Zaquan Bryan and Thomas Blackshear. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were, we were trying to, to run the ball and just, just couldn't really do it. I mean, one, they were very good up front. I mean, their front seven was good. Those, those The defensive uh, uh, line was very good, and we, we just couldn't really move them, to be honest with you. And they had decided, hey, they, they were playing. They were they were leaning forward, buddy. They, they were playing to stop the run and to get pressure on Luke and, and whatever else happened behind that happened so eventually it broke yeah and we were able to to just you know start spinning it and and, and running Luke some and and uh have success there and it was still a tight ball game there uh in the third quarter but you guys busted a play uh where you throw just a quick hot out to Thomas Blackshear and he's able to make a couple moves and we've seen it that same play time and time again this year uh where he just makes three or four different guys miss on his way to the end zone, but I, I don't think people realize how big it is to be able to have an offensive coordinator uh, like Coach DePhillips have the ability to signal in an audible like you guys do at the high school level. I mean, I just feel like that has to be 
uh, tribute to your offensive staff and the way that they're able to execute. It definitely, we we have a great system. They they work really hard, uh, both schematically coming up and understanding the plays, and then uh, working that with the kids and being able to to you know shift people around on the fly, go as fast as we do, and then be able to audible like that and and, and make plays. And then of course when you can when you can get the ball out uh, to to you know Thomas Blackshear or Jaquan Bryan who can really roll uh makes things different and not only that the fact of of Luke and the power of his arm and how how you know quick uh he is to get the ball out there how, you know that makes a huge difference certainly and again a big time performance from the offense there in the second half putting up 24 points to eventually pull away uh, for the 34 to 10 win, but a lot of big time performances on the defensive side of the ball, and also another game to get ready for coming up this Friday night. We'll break it all down next, right here on the Danny Britt Show. More Benedictine Cadets football, the Danny Britt Show. Recapping a big round one win over Whitewater, and then taking a look at Spalding coming up this Friday night. But defensively, coach, that second half pitching a shutout there. What were you guys able to adjust to uh, with Coach Houston and his defense to get these guys prepared coming out to start the second half to slow down uh, that flexbone attack? You know, I, I don't think, uh, you know, we talked after the game and it wasn't as big of a schematic uh, uh, change as it was the kids just just kind of catching up to to the speed and the power of it. Uh, just like we talked about in post game, your scout team and our scout team's done a good job, and we've worked really hard with them. But you can't really show what the other team can do. Certainly, as you get deep into the playoffs, and um, I think it was more than than Coach House and changing schematically. It was more the guys just kind of catching up to it. And then I think you know the 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 physicality, the shape that we are in also showed into play. And I didn't know that answer uh, after the game uh, the other night when you asked me, but but after watching the film and, and, and you know, us talking as a staff, uh, we really felt like that was more of it than anything. Now, I did see maybe one adjustment. It might just be a sub-package you guys always have, but Manny Pitts coming in and lining up next to Jeremiah Thomas, and they just kind of went on either shoulder of the center. I mean, that's 600-plus pounds of dude that's clogging up the middle right there. If there was any adjustment, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting and definitely a weapon you guys can use going forward. Uh, definitely, and I'm sorry. I even had that in my notes to mention that. So thank you for uh, for reminding me of that, Christian. But, um, yeah, it brought in a, just a little bit different package, bringing in some more meat, so to speak, and, uh, and and being able to line those guys up and getting the right personnel in there. And, again, you have you have some pretty big <laughs> – some pretty big dudes in there uh, playing ball, and, and, and it's hard to move those those guys uh, when they're in there. And we talked in the postgame about this a little bit, too, with the inside linebackers there, uh, especially Wilkes-Albert. I felt like if anybody out of the 11 guys out there were happy to be playing that style of offense, it was him because, I mean, there was just an Oklahoma drill for him all night. Yeah, definitely. That's that's pretty much what it is, and um, uh, you know, Wilkes definitely loves that, and you know, he, he loves playing between the tackles, and uh, did a good job with that. But both both Wilkes and and Hardy, I think they had, I think Jonathan had thirteen tackles, and Wilkes had twelve. So, uh, you know, they they did a good job of playing in there and, and running and hitting. Now, you guys getting ready for another round here in the playoffs, and I don't know that we've really spoken about this year, this year, coach, but you're now what, uh, 11 games into the season here. And that's a lot of weeks of football going back uh, to when you guys started there in the summer. 
how have you guys transitioned in practice now that you're deeper and deeper into the season just to kind of keep these guys fresh? Because I know there's got to be a lot of heavy legs out there. You know, what's funny is we, we really we really don't transition that much. I mean, I think as far as practice is concerned, you know, the transition is, is that we're not involving JV and, and you know, C-team or freshman uh, games anymore. That's all done. And, and, you know, some of the most of those guys have been released. Uh, so it's just, you know, focusing in on, on varsity and the upcoming team that week. Um, we don't hit a lot after uh, camp, so to speak. You know, once we start the season, uh, we everything is a thud drill uh, at, at maximum. Uh, so, you know, we don't really have to back off of that. So we're pretty much the same as we are week one or week two. Uh, you know, our schedule changes the same and, you know, uh, how we work out, we, you know, we, every Monday we're going to do lower body in the weight room and that's, they know that, uh, they, you know, then we're going to push the sled, uh, every Monday afternoon. And, you know, that's, we actually add to that in the playoffs and we do, you know, they, they do certain number of reps and then they do a 360 during the regular season. They do a 720, uh, during the playoffs. So we continue to build on that to try to build their legs as we go throughout the year, uh, instead of breaking down but as far as contact we 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 just stud as the maximum we're going to do at this point and it was around the start of region play that we talked about this coach where still waiting for some guys to step up and be the leaders on this team and it's it wasn't the fault of anybody on the team but when you have really the vocal leaders that you guys had the past couple of years the Trent Broadnaxes the Holden Gariners uh the Justin Thomases that were a part of that team it, there's going to be a little bit of a void when they leave, but now that we're uh, heading into your 12th game of the season, have some guys stepped up to kind of fill that void? Yeah, definitely. And you and you have different, you know, different aspects of that. Obviously, we have our captains who who have, were elected captains and do a great job with that. And um, you know, uh, Charlie Ionone on the offensive line has really been a great leader, which he's that type of kid. Period. It will always be that way. Uh, but he's really stepped up and been, you know, become a vocal leader offensively. Uh, Zaquan isn't as vocal. I mean, he obviously just is a player and it makes plays. Uh, and, and then um, James Moore uh, does a good job uh, with leading and, and, and doing that. But again, more of a quiet way of, of showing up and going to work. Um, offensively, really, Luke is, is kind of taking that role and, and you know and, and managing the offense and doing things, and, and, and that's great. We need him to do that. Uh, defensively, it, it spreads across the group because they're all very different type guys. Um, you know, uh, but but Bryce Baker is a big part of that. He's not necessarily extremely vocal guy, but a very you know bright guy who's gonna gonna make plays and and then uh, you know talk to the guys about you know what what needs to happen. Well, you guys get to play another game here in the playoffs, coach. As you guys move on to the second round, following that big thirty-four to ten there win. Uh, in the first round over Whitewater and Spalding now comes to Memorial Stadium coach a team out of Griffin, Georgia, and they have some really solid wins on their schedule so far this year, taking out Eagles Landing uh, to start the year, uh, shutting out Griffin at home there, coach, and a big side, a big win over Westside, a talented team coming to town this Friday night. 
Yeah, definitely. And when you get to the playoffs, all teams are very good, and we spend a lot of time preparing. I re- recommend you contact Jeff and David with Abel's Iron On More and Associates and get a report on your financial preparedness. 912-777-4128. Uh, yes, in the Abel's Iron On and More Scout Report, uh, we, we can show that uh, Spalding is a very you know good football team, very explosive football team. Uh, they have a quarterback that is uh, can throw it, can run it, can can you know make you miss in a phone booth and just just really really athletic guy and then a number of athletic guys around him and you've you've said this before coach but once you get to the second round of the playoffs there's no more bad teams yeah no once you once you get to round two you know you, you're down to 16 teams in the state that are playing and you're going to have good football teams with you know good staffs and and know how to play and know how to win so you know and that's the way it should be it should be you know where you're having to compete and really be at your a game to move to the next level and coach before we let you get out of here you said your message to the team at halftime this past week when you were tied 10 to 10 uh really was to the seniors and just looking at them and saying is this how you want your senior season to end and i thought that was kind of striking just because i know a lot of fans out there are kind of like okay we won the state championship last year it's okay if we don't win it this year we'll get them next year but for these guys this is their last chance for a lot of them to ever play football if there's anybody that's not thinking like that it's them obviously and see that's what people people get confused on that and you know so many people come up to me since friday and said oh you must have really screamed and you know use language and stuff at halftime i'm like no it was quite the opposite i mean that that's not where we were at that point that one that was a very good football team who came out with a plan and executed that plan to perfection let's be honest so it wasn't like that. It was like basically I made the seniors stand up and said, guys, is this how you want to go out? And then, you know, to the younger guys, is this how you want to send these guys out? Is this how you want to end it? Uh, and, of course, they were like, no, sir, that is not how we want to do it. And I said, well, we control what we do for the next, you know, next two quarters. Let's go make that happen. And, I, you know, I think they heard that. I think, you know, that they, they understood where we were coming from and, and went and made it happen. Yeah, not just the seniors. I'm sure that kind of stirred up the underclassmen as well, who I know always want to fight uh, for their seniors. But, Coach, uh, I, I, I'm, I hate to do this on the show, and they know where to find me in Memorial Stadium uh, if they want to have words with me about it. But I thought a lackluster performance maybe from the attendance uh, on the home side, that, that can't happen anymore in the playoffs. No, it was. It was It was a little disappointing. And, uh, you know, I, I had told the team uh, how good this team was that was coming in, and I think they understood it. I, they believed it. They saw them on film. It wasn't real hard to figure out. But I, I think I've, I've kind of Vince dueled it enough uh, yeah. in the media that people didn't really believe it. So we need everybody to come out. We need a huge crowd. I mean, what, what else? Your, your, your cadets are back in the, the final. 16 teams playing in the state and you know come out and support the guys let's be at the cadet walk at 605 uh coach uh, or john croman hawk and and all his guys the senior parents are really you know setting that thing up nice you know what, what else come out grill you know have some refreshments and and be ready to go uh to watch these cadets play friday night yeah 7 30 friday at memorial stadium bc taking on spalding in round two of the GHSA playoffs. Coach, we appreciate it, man. Hopefully I get to see you out there in front of a packed out Memorial Stadium. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Cadets football talk continues. The Danny Britt Show.
Welcome back into the Danny Britt Show right here on Sports Radio Savannah. Pleased to be joined as we are every week by a member of your cadets football team. This week we're joined by a lineman for your cadets, Caden Singleton. Caden, thanks for taking the time, man, and congratulations on another big win. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, you guys were playing a team that was huge up front there uh, in Whitewater. What kind of challenges did that present to you guys? Uh, it presented a lot of challenges. Like, for one, like we have a smaller O-line, so we had to focus more on like taking our proper first steps and using technique against those bigger guys up front. And eventually able to get it going there in the second half. What kind of adjustments, if any, did you guys make at halftime? Uh, we just made like small adjustments, like going back to some basic play calls, calls we've been calling like earlier in the season that helped us be uh, bigger teams that we played earlier in the season. Again, catching up with Caden Singleton here. Now you guys getting ready for Spalding. Uh, how, if at all, does practice change for you guys during the playoffs? Uh, it really doesn't. We just have to keep being and playing BC football, set the standard, and let everyone know like who's the powerhouse in Savannah. And again, a, a big-time matchup coming up uh, in the round of 16 there in the GHSA playoffs. How much have the previous years that you guys have made these deep runs, obviously winning the championship last year, kind of set you up and prepared you for another run this year? It just shows us uh, how confident and how prepared we need to be and shows us how great we can also be if we all come together as one. And Caden, I know you're 100% laser focused right now on the playoffs, but once you're done at BC, what are your plans to do uh, in college and beyond? Uh, I'm planning to go to Savannah Tech and um, pick up welding. There you go. Listen, that is a lucrative profession there and one that is always highly in demand. Well, we appreciate it, man. Uh, good luck there on Friday night, and we'll see you out there against Spalding. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Danny Britt Show on 93.7 Hilton Head and Savannah AM 1400 and FM 104.3 WSEG. Tune in next week for more Benedictine Cadets football talk.